Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of The War Room and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the War Sports YouTube page. We spoke with them by Zoom Monday, June 13th. We discussed What's going on in the volatile heavyweight division, the first classes of women boxers in the Hall of Fame, and much more. Here is that discussion. Welcome to the War Room, my beautiful people and fight fans from all around the world. I'm happy to be here. It's Pride season, and I am all prided out because we did uh, West Hollywood Pride, but thank you guys for tuning in. I am your host, the fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, and I'm here with my girl, my sister, Melissa Smith, she is a women's boxing historian. You guys need to download her book on Amazon and my boy because he is the undisputed conscious of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. You guys, welcome back into the war room. Let's talk this up today. We are going to jump right into the heavyweights today because, Eddie, you just uh, released an article on your Patreon uh, talking about the state of heavyweight. So, Let's talk about the state of the heavyweight division, my favorite division in boxing that, you know, I don't know shit about boxing, but I love the heavyweights. So, Eddie, let's break it down, baby. I, I know. That, thank you for all that. A lot of people like the big guys. And I had two articles, one that just went up about the, the sur surreal tale of Daniel Dubois versus Trevor Bryan. We have a new heavyweight champion of the world, more or less, more less than more. Daniel Dubois winning the so-called regular or WBA heavyweight championship, not the super heavyweight championship against an overmatched, uh, seemed like a nice fellow, but despite his personality, should never have been in the top tier fighting for any of these top belts of, of Trevor Bryan. Uh, Daniel Dubois doing whatever the hell he wanted over four rounds, testing his range, landing the jab and uh, the right hand, whatever he did. And finally, boom, in the fourth round, he landed a left hook. And that was all she wrote. This was one of the weirdest events. Don King, the promoter of the whole event and of Trevor Bryan trying to get back into the game. And there are couple of angles that I haven't seen mentioned. I've read a lot of articles, listened to a lot of interviews about this that I talk about in my article. What was the motivation of King for doing this? Because surely the guy's 90 years old. He's been around for boxing, it, boxing forever. He had to know Brian stood no chance against a guy like Dubois. 
why did he go ahead with this, knowing that the chances are 99% he was going to end up face down on the mat, as he did? And there are a couple of reasons, aside from ego, just trying to get back into the game. I raised a question. I haven't seen anybody answer this. Did King get options on Dubois? In other words, if Dubois, as a condition for this fight, would have to agree to let King co-promote him in future events. I don't know the answer to that, but it would seem that would uh, be one of the only things that would that would make sense. There were just a lot of weird things about this event. King, during the pre-fight press conference, even when he was talking about the contract, said openly, and you could watch this, it's up on YouTube, he said, you're eventually going to be with me. He said this openly during the press conference to Dubois. And Frank Warren, who got the fight on BT Sport in the UK, even though this was in Miami, Florida, wasn't there because he had another card the same night in uh, in the UK. He sent uh, his son there representing Queensberry Promotions. But what's Frank Warren going to do now? Because he has all these other heavyweights. He has Joe Joyce, who was really the only person who defeated Daniel Dubois as a pro. And Dubois now has this so-called WBA regular uh, heavyweight championship which might put him in line to fight the Usyk Joshua winner since Usyk has the WBA super belt, since he also has the IBF and WBO belt, but also the WBA has another final eliminator among the heavyweights taking place on July 2nd with Yui Fury and Michael Hunter. So none of this is clear. And on top of it, who does Daniel Dubois call out when the inevitable question, what do you want next? Dillian White and Joseph Parker, neither of which are promoted by Warren and both of whom at present anyway, fight on Sky Sports, the rival of BT Sports, which is has the deal with with Warren. So it's it's an utter complete mess. And try explaining some of this. I want to try to do this. Try explaining some of this to somebody that's doesn't really follow boxing closely and doesn't know how it's structured. It's how these how these things are made. It's utterly preposterous. But we do have today, Monday, which we're recording, one step in the direction of what's going to happen in the next heavyweight fight with Usyk and Joshua. And probably this week or next week, we'll find out one way or the other what's happening with this. And on uh, Monday, June 13th, it was officially announced. It had been reported by uh, Gareth Davies of the Telegraph in the UK and many others that this was going to happen, that Anthony Joshua signed an exclusive deal. He's leaving Sky Sports that have shown his pro fights since he started in the UK, and he's going to exclusively be on the zone. He's been on the zone in the US, but the big money has come from the UK pay-per-views. We'll get in the neighborhood of a million, a million and a half buys in the UK alone, and he's leaving. For, he's leaving this not only as a fighter, but he's going to be named a global brand ambassador and special advisor, and also get this a shareholder in the zone. And these were offers that Sky Sports, which is uh, under Comcast, could not and did not make. 
bringing Joshua in in, in a bigger capacity. The gamble is it's going to pay off for the zone. And that brings the question, what will happen in the fight with Ustik? And even if he loses, what will be the marketability and sellability of Joshua? I personally think there's a decent, fair chance that Joshua wins this rematch with Usyk. Even if he doesn't, there are big fights out there to be made because he's a personality. He's a celebrity in the UK. He never fought Wilder. He never fought Fury. These are the kind of legacy fights you see in boxing that happen down the road, even when one of the fighters is passed past their prime. Uh, Rocky Marciano and Joe Lewis, for example, when Lewis was basically retired, could no longer compete on a top level. Lennox Lewis and Mike Tyson, when Tyson had suffered uh, the, the losses to Holyfield, but he still had that, uh, even today, he still had that aura about him, even though it was unrealistic and didn't make any sense. So with Joshua and Usyk, there are a couple of factors why I think he stands a good chance. Everybody that watched that first fight, and it's probably available online if you haven't watched it, was astonished from the first round on that Joshua was on his back foot, wasn't being aggressive, wasn't using his size, his superior size, wasn't using his superior power, and was trying to outbox Usyk, who was one of the top, maybe the top boxer, in, just in terms of all that technique, in the world. Why don't you use your advantages? And so the decision, of course, went to Usyk, who hurt Joshua in the 12th round. Joshua apparently has gotten rid of his longtime trainer, Rob McCracken, who goes back to the Olympic days. The corner didn't help him. A lot of us commented at the time, you needed somebody in the corner to say, partway through the fight, when you see that, you're blowing it, son, to yell at the guy, to motivate him, tell him what to do, and basically make clear the urgency of what you have to do. Nobody did that in the corner. So he's brought in Robert Garcia as one of his co-trainers, along with Angel Fernandez, who's part of the other team. And from judging from the comments of Garcia, he agrees, like virtually everybody else in the world, about what Joshua has to do to Usyk. And the other factor with Usyk, of course, he's Ukrainian. He went back to Ukraine to fight in the war against uh, Russia's aggression there, but he was given permission and blessing to leave the country to train for this fight. And I'm not sure what country he was in. I had read he's in Poland, but I'm not sure if he's there or another country training for whenever this fight is going to be. And again, they, maybe it'll be in August. Who knows? Because they haven't announced it yet. The, the question is, what has, the, what has been the effect of the war on Usyk physically and mentally? for him in terms of his preparation for this fight. Right. So it could it couldn't be good. It could motivate him in one way, but it just it couldn't have helped him. So we'll see. We'll see what happens, what's next. And if the fight is announced as expected and a lot of these same reports that said Joshua was going to disown said this fight's going to be in Saudi Arabia. And nobody has negated that, including the the interview, the recent interview with Robert Garcia and Angel Fernandez, 
that's going to further piss off a lot of fans. It's pissing off a lot of UK fans who pay for Sky Sports and would have to pay for the pay-per-view there. Now they're going to have to pay for something else to see Joshua. And then this will be the zone pay-per-view there. And they can't go see the fight live, which would be very difficult to if it's in Saudi Arabia. So with Saudi Arabia playing a greater role in sports, getting this breakaway golf tour, many of the top uh, male golfers in the world going to that, going to compete in that country. They have a number of WWE events that are just entertainment, but they're, they're expanding their sports and entertainment and tourism sectors. It's, and they're going to pay a lot more money than anybody in the UK could pay. So right. the world is changing, not necessarily for the better, but it's moving towards streaming and as boxing is stagnating and declining in the West, we see who's moving in with this low hanging fruit. It's the Saudi, the Saudi monarchy trying to prove they're a modern uh, country while they still have uh, in, I think it's in or near uh, Chop Chop Square, which is where their executions and beheadings take place and all the other stuff. So right. this is the decision they're making. Take the money and run now. Well, Joshua's and, taking the money and running. That's what it sounds like to me. Yeah, he's already been there, of course. We right. know the rematch with Ruiz was there. And uh, we'll see whether he's there again. Right. All right. Well, Melissa, let's uh, get your take on. We had the uh, International Hall of Fame inducted inductions this uh, past weekend, I believe. Let's jump into that. We did. Uh, uh, this weekend, uh, June 9th through 12th, 2022, was what they were calling the Once in a Life Trilogy of Hall of Fame Weekend Induction Trilogy because uh, due to COVID, the 2020 and 2021 inductions were canceled. Um, so this past weekend, we've had three years in one. Uh, quite an extraordinary amazing bunch of fighters. So um, the likes of Bernard Hopkins for the class of 2020, Shane Mosley, uh, Vladimir Klitschko, Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward for 2021, and Gail Cotto, Roy Jones Jr., James Tony for 2022. But for me and my right, world, James. the most extraordinary part was that it was the first time that women have been inducted as fighters into the Hall of Fame. Nice. Um, that was beginning with the class of 2020. That all came about because in 2019, the rules were changed with the International Boxing Hall of Fame. There were a number of rules changes that uh, had to do with some technical issues related to the number of years of being retired before consideration. And from my perspective, the most important one was to add two categories for women's boxing and women's modern and women's trailblazer. Uh, women's modern being from approximately anyone who stopped boxing from around 1990 on forward and um, trailblazer having boxed until approximately that period of time. And that will shift over time. So our first class for 2020 for women's boxing was Christy Martin and Lucia Riker. So applause to them. and. <clears throat> the great and brilliant Barbara Buttrick, who began boxing as a trailblazer, who began boxing in, in, at the end of World War II. She was also the oldest person, I think she's 93, something like that, 
and just has gotten over COVID, but made it to the podium to uh, accept her award yesterday. And I, I will tell you, I was a puddle watching all of this, tears streaming down my eyes. And at some point, you know, she, in her speech, which was in a faint voice, because uh, she's frail at this point, um, she said, you know, the, what she boxed for was respect. And here she was finally at the end of her life receiving the respect she had deserved across her career, which not only included a, uh, her career as a boxer, but she was one of the first to actually uh, develop a women's boxing sanctioning organization, the WIBF beginning in the um, 1990s and was the first, one of the first promoters to put on all female cards in Las Vegas in the, in the era of the 1990s. So she was quite extraordinary. Then we got to the class of 2021, which was Layla Ali. Oh, wow. First boxing daughter to you know, ever be inducted following her dad, you know, right. a rare group and uh, Ann Wolf. Wow. Talk about, you know, super fight of another era. That was the super fight that never happened. Did Um, Ann Wolf and Ali ever fight? fight? No, they didn't. And that was the fight everybody always wanted to see. And it just never happened. Wow. A lot of arguing back and forth as to why that didn't occur. And that's for another show. But uh, they they both took to the podium and spoke. Ann Wolf um, I, I mean, Layla, you know, talked about following in her dad's footsteps and her, the, how, what her career was like and so on. Right. For Ann Wolf, there was something more, there was a, a deeper emotional connection, I think. Again, this just sense of, oh my God, I'm finally in my peers because she was with her peers and she was their sister. You're our boxing sister. You're my right. boxing brothers. And she was really able to express how for the first time in her life, she really got that she was a boxer, not a woman's boxer, right, that, right. But, but she was there with her peers. Um, and that was very affecting. And then if my girl, my, my, my boxing sister, who believe it or not, went to the same high school as me back way, way in the day, Lady Tiger, Marion Tremier, oh, wow. was recognized as a trailblazer. She's you know, been ill, so she was in a wheelchair. And she just had the whole place in stitches. She wrote, wrote and read this wonderful poem and then thanked about a million people and just <laughs> had everybody cheering. And right. it was just so heartfelt. And then at the end, uh, WBC awarded her a green belt sort of in recognition of of what she had never been able to gain throughout her career. And she then became a puddle and then everybody in the audience became a puddle after that. I'll also say she was sitting next to Leroy Jones, to to, uh, uh, Roy Jones Jr., sorry. And she had him working, holding her script, holding her mic. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. She made it work. And then uh, class of 2022 was uh, Regina Hamlick, who's a fighter out of Germany. She was the true first million dollar baby. Wow. She was was earning a million dollars back in the 20 aughts. And uh, Holly Holm, who has gone on to an illustrious career in MMA. 
um, and she was the second class of 2022. Right. And again, you know, for for us who follow boxing, you know that these women came into their class with some of the best in the sport: Roy Jones, Roy Jones yeah. Jr., Miguel right. Cotto, James Tony. I mean, Dre Ward, Andre Ward, Bernard Hopkins. It, it, it was quite stirring to watch. I was unfortunately under, unable to attend. I had intended to, but due to some personal matters, was not able to. But right. I felt uh, so touched and overwhelmed by the experience for them. Um, because what it has done is give the acknowledgement that these women deserve mm -hmm. as fighters who uh, belong on the same stage as Shane Mosley and Bernard Hopkins and, and Juan Manuel Marquez. Right. And then, you know, rounded out, Lou DiBella and Kathy Duva were recognized. You know, there's some uh, Dr. Margaret Goodman who started VADA testing um back in 2012 so there were some great people if you go on the international boxing hall of fame website um ibhof.com you'll see the full list and it is possible on youtube to actually see the ceremony it's still up so i uh, highly recommend folks look at it if they're interested um so really just a glorious weekend and right. i'm looking forward to uh being an elector for the next round for 20 uh, how, how do how do boxers get nominated? Who nominates them? Is it what well, body? Uh, there, there's a committee. I'm actually uh, honored to be on that committee. Uh, there's a group that um, meets uh, annually to determine who should be in consideration. And there's a whole long list of rules that okay. we follow, same as men's boxing. And mm -hmm. then uh, once the list is of potential uh, honorees is selected, it is then sent out to a group of electors, uh, which are uh, people in boxing all around the world. A lot of boxing right. writers from among them, but also other folks and among the women's side promoters. And there's, there's a really interesting right. mix of people, but again, with a real global reach, because it's important to understand that women's boxing is more than just in the United States. Right, right. Uh, and some of the great champions have actually come from places like Argentina and Mexico and Japan. So we have to make sure that that's reflected. So what happens is the list is determined and then it is sent out to the electors, meaning the folks who vote um, on usually on or about uh, October 1st. And then we have a certain short period of time to return those. It is mailed in and then they have a third party audit firm that tabulates the votes and then it is announced in December. Now, with all these women getting inducted and it sounds like there was roughly an equal amount of men and women inducted uh, each year. And also the, there were people that were like you mentioned, Dr. Margaret Goodman, who were non-participants yeah. who played, you know, she had been chief medical advisor for the Nevada Commission for okay. a number of years and they didn't like her because she did such a good job. But now with all this going on and all these uh, women boxers getting in, are these networks going to start showing women's boxing, which they haven't? Showtime, ESPN, and these well, I mean, it, you see it on I the zone and you you you, you raise a good question. And I mean, just this weekend, you know, as you know, I have been vocal about the fact that Showtime had announced nine boxing cards with PBC Premium Boxing Champions on uh, over a five minute period with no women on the card. This weekend, however, 
in Canastota every year at Turning Stone, uh, which is a, a casino right next door to where the Hall of Fame is in Canastota, New York. There is a, a match on Bo uh, on Hawks Boxing Hall of Fame weekend. This weekend, it was it was uh, shown on air by Showtime as part of their Showbox Next Generation event. Mm. The promoter was Lou DiBella, and they had a woman named O'Shea Jones, who was a bronze medalist in the twenty in the delayed twenty twenty Olympics, had her debut in front of all those people on Hall of Fame weekend. Nice. So that was extraordinary. So, uh, you know, I've, as I said, I've had a lot of criticism of Showtime, but when it came to working with a promoter who gives a damn about women in Lou DiBella, they actually had two women on the fight, but Jessica Kamara was also supposed to fight. Her last bout had been with, um, she had fought and won against Heather Hardy. And then she had the fight with Kayla, Kayla, uh, Kayla Reese and, and lost. And we had talked with Kaylee Reese about this. She was supposed to fight on that card. That fight fell through, but there was still one woman's bout on that card. So um, you're exactly right, Eddie. Um, it's really time for these promotional com- companies to put their mouth money where their mouth is. And the fact that sanctioning that institutions such as the International Boxing Hall of Fame are recognizing women and are doing it in such a way as to really be equivalent to how they recognize men. Um, It's really a wake-up call for everyone to start doing what they need to do. And this weekend, there were several fight cards in the UK, all over Argentina, all over Mexico that had women on the card. So it's happening. It's just how it's happening and whether there's enough momentum to get it to really be consistent with something else. And I have to say, American broadcasters are really late. The reason we see women in the United States is because we see it on the zone because mm. they're doing cards from the UK and they yeah. have a deal where they're broadcasting uh, golden gloves uh, uh, Golden Boy promotions and Golden Boy has several women that they've signed. Um, you know, again, just to go back to the Hall of Fame night, you know, that was also TR Boxing. Um, and, you know, Bob Aram was in the audience and he was sporting women. And I got to say, you know, he had been really negative about the Taylor <laughs> Serrano fight. <laughs> Within a month after that fight, he signed a super fight between McKella Mayer and, 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 and Alicia Baumgartner. That's going to be shown sometime in September. We don't have a date yet. We don't have a location. But that fight's going to happen. And that was a directly because of Taylor Serrano and directly because these institutional players are sort of saying, hey. Right. You think he, he saw the numbers and that's what he made saw him the do, numbers. He saw the sold out Madison Square Arena. Okay. Now, I know we have some questions as to what that $1.5 million viewers really right. translates to from DAZN, but they had enough to be able to brag about something. Right. Right. And it was the know. same night as the Shakur Stevenson, which lost fight on ESPN. Yeah. And he was putting down the Taylor Serrano fight. Exactly. It's not, a, not that big of a deal, not important, despite whatever the the numbers and whatever you would get on the zone, 
you know, so we'll, we'll see what he and ESPN do. Yeah, so ES, you know, they're they uh, they're definitely having more women on their cards. You know, um, there was a, a top rank had uh, the Puerto Rican card. You know, it was Puerto Rican Day Parade in New York City on Sunday. That's a really big deal in New York. And actually, Miguel Cotto was still in New York at the Hulu Theater because his promotional company had some fighters in that fight. So it was in Madison Square Garden. It was shown on ESPN. It was top rank. And their first fighter was Christina Cruz, who's a, a, a 10 time Golden Gloves champion, the most any male or female in the history of the Golden Gloves in Madison Square Garden. That's her house. 10 times. She won the ten Golden times. Gloves 10 times. 10 times. And she's a you know a former national champion. She was supposed to be the the Olympic uh, Olympic uh, person from um, from Puerto Rico, but the politics got in the way. She turned pro not too long ago, and she was on that fight card. And they really promoted her, and she looked great. She had a great fight, great night. So that's two cards Saturday night. From major from ESPN and Showtime that had women, so right. you know we're it's it's we're coming around. Right. It's cautious, you know. Um, I give props where they're due. I'm still really mad that Premier Boxing champions the champions can't get it together to get women on their cards. They're not signing but, women though, right? That's the no, idea. I they're mean, not, you know, they, look they, at, yeah, they're just not. Well, that's a, that's intentional. It's called right. it's very misogyny. It's called misogyny, exactly. It's called misogyny. Right. Meanwhile, you know, um, but Showtime did have their first fight this year in 20, 2022 with a woman on the card. And, it, you know, it was a big deal for O'Shea Jones being, you know, on the Hall of Fame weekend in front of all that audience, right. which was something else. You know, everybody in boxing is at that show. So that was really that was really cool. We'll see what all of this really means. And, you know, it's the kind of thing maybe we should think about. How we approach that in terms of interviewing folks um, on, on what their intentions are going into the fall, because certainly there's three super fights, plus Arena Serrano announced she's fighting. She's not going to fight Katie Taylor in September. She's going to be on a Josh Paul pay-per-view card on Showtime from Madison Square Garden, August 6th. Don't know who her opponent's going to be. To be announced to be announced so right. you know it looks like she's going after the undisputed before she ever gets back to taylor right if ever so we'll wow. we'll see all right so that, lots that, that's it lots happening lots happening folks uh eddie you got anything else you want to cover before we sign off today i th i think that's pretty much it i think we covered a lot there's a lot as you mentioned happening and in the in the <laughs> works that some developments might happen after uh, we record this and people hear it, but pay attention to what's happening with this Usyk Joshua uh, rematch. If you want to read the article that I did and other articles, a lot of them on the heavyweights, subscribe to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. And by the way, when you subscribe to it, you not only get the, the current article or articles, you get all of them that, that the are archived. Yeah, so you'll see a while that have been doing this waiting for the heavyweight series and commenting on these things. So uh, putting all this stuff together and uh, my site is eddiegoldman.com and you could 
Find me on Twitter at NHB News until uh, Elon Schmuck messes the whole thing up, <laughs> you know, and uh, where I talk about uh, sports, boxing, baseball, politics, music, all sorts of things on there uh, all at once. So at NHB News, that's where of all social media sites that I found uh, the best and most important discussion goes on. So Absolutely. Check it out there. Check it out. All right, Melissa, tell the people where they can find you. Babe. Sure. Uh, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm at Girl Boxing Now. And uh, my website is girlboxing.org. And you can find my book, A History of Women's Boxing, on Amazon. That's oh, right. Oh, guys. I, did, I did forget one thing I should have added before. At the Hall of Fame inductions, Vladimir Klitschko was inducted. Because of the war in Ukraine, and he's currently fighting against Russia, he volunteered to go back into the military. There, he's in his mid late forties. He he issued a video thanking everybody for the induction, but he called out Roy Jones Jr., who yes. has been working with the Russians, got a Russian citizenship by going to occupied Crimea a couple of years ago, and he called him out and he said to Roy, "Which side are you on?" And I haven't seen Roy respond to that. So Roy Jones is a great fighter. Everybody knows that. But which side is he on? Yeah, and he's he's also involved with IBA, too, is one of the top people of Omar Kremlaff or whatever his real name is with the the, uh, uh, would-be Olympic Boxing Association, IBA. So I just I should have pointed that out earlier. But you can see that on uh, you just go to at Klitschko on, on uh, Klitschko's social media and see those speeches. Right, Roy Jones, if you have a Russian citizenship, you're a dual citizen of Russia and the United States, you are a traitor. I am a Cold War veteran. I'm just offended by all of that. They found that one black man that they could fucking buy out. And I'm just sad to hear that uh, Roy Jones is taking the side of Putin instead of uh, Ukraine and the Klitschko brothers. So. F you, Roy Jones. Uh, you guys, you know, I'm a, that angry black woman. You can find me on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio and on Instagram because my day job, I do have a day job. It's Fight Goddess Fitness on Instagram. So you guys, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. Please subscribe, hit that like button, turn on the notifications so you'll know next time we drop a video and we try to drop a video to you guys every week. So Till next time, people, peace, love, and push-ups.